the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, December the 11th, 2019, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1816, Indiana became the 19th state. Today in 1844, the first experimental use of inhaled anesthetic in dentistry. (laughs) I wouldn't have wanted to have been that patient. He was a doctor, Dr. Horse Wells of Hartford, Connecticut. He went under the influence of nitrous oxide. He had a colleague extract one of his teeth. They said, hey, that works out pretty good. We should put people to sleep or something like that And when we pull their teeth. Anyway, that was the first event today, 1844. Today in 1917, British General Edmund Allenby, he entered Jerusalem two days after his forces expelled the Ottoman Turks. Today in 1936, Britain's King Edward VIII abdicated the throne so he could marry American divorcee Wallace Warfield Simpson. Love is a powerful thing, isn't it? Today in 1941, U.S. declared war on Germany and Italy. Today in 1972, Apollo's 17 lunar module landed on the moon. Astronauts Eugene Cernan and Harrison Schmidt were aboard. They became the last two men up to this point today to step onto the lunar service. And for those of you who like Magnum P.I., and a lot of people do on television, first episode ran today in 1980 starring Tom Selleck, premiered on CBS. Today, in 1997, more than 150 countries agreed at a global warming conference in Kyoto, Japan. They said, together, we can control, this. these are their words, together we can control the Earth's greenhouse gases. Today, in 2008, former NASDAQ chairman Bernie Madoff was arrested. He was accused of running a multi-billion dollar Ponzi scheme that destroyed thousands of people's life savings and wrecked a number of charities. He is now serving a 150-year federal prison sentence. It was a $50 billion scam, biggest in Wall Street history. I get letters. I read them often on this program. One of the things that is consistent, though, is that I either either I am worried or I could be very worried about current events in our culture. There is that looming uncertainty in our culture today, isn't there? A lot of people express that, and yet the people that express it, the people that write to me in those terms, are people who love God. We can love God with all of our heart, but when we look out over the fence into our culture, our neighborhood, our area, our state, our county, our nation, our world, there are a lot of troubling things going on, a lot of things we can't quite figure out. They don't make sense to a lot of us. Got a note just the other day. It's, Dear Gary, I want to worry, but I'm not going to. 
you said God is in control. God is in control. But we live in perilous times. That's why the Bible speaks so often to worry, concern. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them or worry them. He that dwelleth in the secret place, Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. And finally, our Savior, the Messiah. The peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't be afraid. But I can tell you, we live in perilous times. You're not imagining that the world is spinning in a crazy way. It looks like it's out of control. God is in control, and he will only allow what fits his purposes to happen. And he does have a plan and a purpose. We know a lot of what it is because it's in the Bible. There are some things we don't know. But what we do know is that Almighty God was here before there was earth and universe and time, and he will be here when time is no more. And he's here right now. And he's superintending things. He is not a God, as some would say, that created the heavens and the earth and then sort of stepped out of it and left us to do the best we could. There are people that believe that. They teach that. That's a course in college. But I will tell you, God is very much involved in our lives, in our culture, in our world, because he loves us. The House Democrats unveiled the two articles of impeachment yesterday. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. It was over the Ukraine matter. Are you sick and tired of hearing about that? I am. But it's dominating the news. Let me talk about it for a couple of minutes today. They're charging President Trump with abuse of power and obstruction of of Congress. They're moving faster than they normally move, and they're moving with their eyes closed. Their eyes are shut. I wrote an article on that today. It's in faithandfreedom.us, and there just happened to be a picture of Jerry Nadler, who's been been, uh, chairing the most recent so-called hearings. He's a, a representative and a committee chair, Democrat, and Nancy Pelosi standing right behind him. Both of them have their eyes closed. And I thought, how much that illustrates what we're experiencing today. It's amazing. <laughs> they are. They're moving faster than I've ever seen them move on anything. And they have their eyes closed to truth. They don't want to know the truth. The truth is that Donald Trump needs to be removed from office, and anything that conflicts with that isn't truth. That's the way the progressive mind thinks. Nancy Pelosi gets emotional and talks about her religious, deeply held religious beliefs and all, but how she prays for President Trump and prays for his family and so on. I would probably wonder, what is she praying? But yet she is a woman who has led the charge to expand abortion, same-sex marriage, and on and on it goes. Today, 
Our country is very conflicted. In the name of the Lord, there are people who are standing in abstract and opposite contradiction to the word of God. She, Nancy Pelosi, Patriots Jerry Nadler and Adam Schiff. Yeah, he was able to attend yesterday the press conference. He didn't attend the hearing. But they stood before the world, the nation, and all of us little people out here. Here's what they said. I'm quoting them. Today in the service to our duty to the Constitution and to our country, the House Judiciary Committee is introducing two articles of impeachment, charging the President of the United States of committing high crimes and misdemeanors. The specific charges, abuse of power and construction of uh, obstruction of Congress, are based on second-hand allegations. They were presented by this whistleblower. I've talked to you about him, and I've told you who he is, I'm sure. They're all, it's all based on this whistleblower complaint to a partisan CIA officer who accused the president of attempting to pressure the leader of Ukraine to investigate former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter. Notably absent from those, and I noticed it, and a lot of other people, smarter than I am, also noticed it for sure, but absent from those charges are any actual charges of high crimes and misdemeanors. There's no bribery, extortion, or treason charges there because they can't make them. Those are the three impeachment leaders, what they're accusing the president of doing. They've repeatedly, these people and others, but particularly these three, have accused President Trump of bribery and extortion and treason. Yet when it comes down to putting it in writing and making the charge, they couldn't do it. They just throw it out there because it sticks in people's minds. And they go, wow, I didn't know President Trump was bribing. I didn't know that he was, you know, doing extortion or treason. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it sticks in people's minds. If all you know about what's going on is what you hear in the media, they plant these words. They're not truthful words. And when it comes down to where they can be held accountable, legally accountable, they, they don't write them down. They don't say them. But just in conversation, they build pictures in the minds of millions of people in America who are essentially uninformed that, wow, I didn't know, I, I, I didn't really care for Trump, but I didn't know he was that bad. When in fact, he didn't do those things. I'm not defending him. I'm simply trying to defend the truth. They've also repeatedly accused the president of obstructing special counsel Mueller's $30 million investigation into Trump's relationship or his campaign's relationship with Russia. That's now a joke. Nobody even mentions it if they don't have to. Even Mueller did his best to get the president, but he did admit, he said, Trump didn't obstruct. He worked with us. The leaders of the left are racing into history with their eyes closed. They're driving under the influence of their own deceptive progressive ideology. If I say or believe something is true, then it's true. It's my truth. It matters what our kids in our classrooms are being taught. When a little five, six-year-old kid sits down in his little chair today in a public school somewhere, and he gets a dose of progressivism, and he or she will, because that's what they learned. They're learning to believe these people are the extension of those little kids. And these kids are learning to believe 
that if I think something is true, then it is true. Not in a belligerent, even a rebellious way, just as a matter of fact. That's becoming the norm. Thank you to the progressives. So if I think it's true, then it is true. Because that's my truth. And that's what we're seeing here. These people are so blind, they're intoxicated by their own progressivism. They're driving under the influence. And they're speeding down this highway. I'll tell you, they're racing into history. This deception works in the classroom. It works on campuses to a degree because there's no consequences there. But in the real world, and everybody ends up in the real world eventually, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter what your truth is. What matters is what God's truth is, what the truth is. Jesus Christ himself is the truth, the way, and the light. You don't have to be a religious person, but you better figure out that there's some truth in the old-fashioned, ancient wisdom of the Bible. Because cultures have risen and fallen on what they believe about fundamental truths. It doesn't matter what religion they are. Those truths were here before the foundation of the earth. And they're going to stay in place. And if we, if, we, if we collide with them, we lose every time. That was, that was, the founding of America was found in the context of that kind of thinking. Not everybody in America, in early America, colonial American, was Christian. I've done a lot of study on that. I can't remember the percentages, but I mean, it, it was a high percentage. A lot of Christians were here. But their children, their grandchildren, over a few generations, they'd kind of gotten cold or they didn't go to church. They didn't really serve the Lord as their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents had. It, it was just a few generations. They were busy making money, starting businesses, you know, and all the things that people do. And, and they just had kind of not followed the Lord in the way that their family had. I mean, that's human nature. But there was a sense... Francis Schaeffer called it a Christian consensus in America, where even if somebody didn't claim to be a Christian, much less an evangelical Christian, born-again Christian, there was a sense in America of there, there, there are fixed values, and those fixed values are fixed. And so when you were living in a way that was in opposition to those values, at least you recognize the fact that truth is here and I'm over here. And one of these days I need to kind of get it straightened out or even more so, one of these days I've got to get right with God before I meet my maker and so on. You don't even hear people talking like that anymore. People that are living in absolute sin and rebellion, they don't even know it sometimes. Their conscience becomes so seared that they do not see the truth when they look right at the truth. And that's what's happening to these people. They're in their... In their in an illustration, metaphor, they're in their car and they're speeding down the highway and they're trying to take America with them. And I tell you, they're blind. they got their eyes closed because their truth is that Donald Trump is bad. He wasn't supposed to be the president of the United States. Hillary was. And that is my truth. And I'm going to make it happen because I have power. I know you won't read that in the newspaper, but it's true. The left doesn't see the curve that's ahead in the road. In fact, Joe Pollock wrote an article yesterday. He's an award-winning journalist. He wrote yesterday that the Democrats are echoing the worst impeachment in American history. 
the impeachment of President Andrew Johnson in 1868. He is so right in his article. He said, by drafting an article of impeachment against Trump for abuse of power, he said they are embracing the the impeachment attempt in 1868 against Johnson, Andrew Johnson, that is used as a model when teaching politics as what not to do if you're a congressman. Really? (laughs) Even the Washington Post reported Monday this week that, quote, barely hours after the first and last hearings to consider the evidence against the president with no fact witnesses, the Washington Post, they hate this president. But they had to admit there were no fact witnesses. The Democrats were preparing for articles of impeachment. Pollack says the Democrats are doing in echoing what they're doing in echoing Johnson's impeachment is following the worst possible precedent because of the ambiguity of the charges of abuse of power. What is that? It's whatever you say it is. That fits the mindset of the far left. Abuse. Oh, well, he abused power. Well, where where? Where and, and how? What power? What, what did he do? Oh, there's a lot of things. The left, because they have abandoned any allegiance to the truth, to the real truth, there is gravity. When you drop things, they fall. That kind of truth. And the truth that God exists and that God is in control, and God has set forth principles for people that are to be part of a culture if it's going to be successful. And they've denied all of that. So now, if they want to charge abuse of power, they can make that anything they want. That's why they call the the, the Constitution a living document all the time. They want it to be a living document. So they can say, well, the, the founder said this, but but that was way back then. Today, this document that they wrote that they honestly believed was for the ages. They said so. It doesn't mean that anymore. It's a living document. It means something else. And we'll tell you, little people, what it means. That's the process of governing and thinking on the part of the left. Johnson impeachment is often used as a model of what not to do if you want to impeach a president. Pollock notes that the Democrats actually cite President Johnson's impeachment to strengthen their own case in the case they're making, if you read the whole thing. They refer to the Andrew Johnson uh, event, and they use it as they think it's a positive thing. And even the Washington Post and others on their side are saying, boy, let's, let's let's don't talk about that, because it was a disaster. Pelosi, Schiff, Nadler, they're so blinded by their own passions, their hatred, They're invoking a case that everyone else uses as a model of what not to do. Pollock says the Johnson precedent has been a cautionary tale for over 150 years, a prime example of what Congress ought not to do if they want to be successful. What's motivating these people? Is it love of country, love of power? I think it's the latter. Schiff showed up yesterday for the press conference. He wouldn't take any questions from the press, of course, nor would the other two. But they, he was seeming to suggest that the motivation to speed through the exercise of drive-by destruction of the presidency is necessary because Trump might win the 2020 election. He almost said that out loud. He briefly addressed critics who say that the Democrats should 
simply wait for the American people to judge the president of 2020 election. There were actually reporters asking, why doesn't the Democrats, if Trump is so bad, why don't they just take a deep breath and let the next 12 months play out and let the American people decide if he's guilty of or not guilty of what, he, what they're charging him with? Well, they don't want any part of that. Schiff said, Schiff said to, the, to these distractors, and there are many of them saying that, even on the left, there's people asking that question, well, why don't we just let the people decide? The power, power brokers don't want any part of that. But Schiff said, we can't allow this because Trump would cheat, it's his word, in one more election. He said, quote, the argument, why don't you wait, comes down to this. I'm quoting him. Why don't you let him cheat in just one more election? Why not let him have foreign help one more time? This is the backdrop of the investigation or the hearings that produced no witnesses that could demonstrate that the president was asking the Ukraine leader to interfere in the 2020 election. The bottom line is the Ukraine received a call. They had a meeting or two and aid was distributed from the United States government to the Ukraine government. Three factors that largely reduced the Democrats' impeachment argument to ashes. And they know that. And if they get caught in a lie, they just sort of put on the brakes and go a little different direction. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has been a little bit out of the news lately, which is probably uncomfortable for her. She loves to be in the news in the center of it all. But she was appearing on CNN's Situation Room program in November. That was last month. And last month, and I have the quote here, she said, impeachment is necessary to stop Trump from winning in 2020. She said, so this is not just about something that occurred. This is about preventing a politically and potentially dangerous outcome from occurring next year, 2020. It's an amazing time in which we live. This morning, this morning, CNN, their followers thought we're going to air the Senate Judiciary Committee's hearing, which is going on, has been, and and still is, as we speak right now, live. We're live, they're live. I was following a little bit of what was being said. I talked yesterday on this program about Senator Lindsey Graham and his comments. In fact, I wrote an article yesterday, again, at faithandfreedom.us, and I embedded in that a 19-minute talk that Graham gave, which was, was phenomenal. It gives you, you know a year of news and a billion sound bites and it puts it all in perspective. So Lindsey Graham's committee had a hearing today and this morning and you probably are aware of that. But interestingly enough, the press is not all over this like they have been in the past. Senator Lindsey Graham's opening statements, part of those statements this morning is what I put in our article yesterday at Faith and Freedom. And he was rehearsing what he said yesterday because that's what he believes. And I found it not surprising, but terribly disappointing. CNN did not even air live the opening statement. They went off on some other things. Graham is the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. He laid out that the FBI did 
in order to obtain their visa warrants against people associated with President Trump did lie and mislead. He laid it out, in fact. Instead of airing his opening remarks, CNN Newsroom went to this Poppy Harlow that's on there and this other guy, Jim somebody, and um, they had four commercial breaks. They had a panel with CNN's national security analyst, Susan Hennessy, and Bloomberg reporter, Kapoor, S. Kapoor, whoever that, I don't, I don't know who that is. I don't watch CNN much. I pay attention to them, but I don't watch them. But anyway, they were going on and on and on about this. And there's this, they had this guy on there, Representative Tom Reed, not ACN's Tom Reed. This is a different Tom Reed. He's a Republican from New York. They had a segment with him, and he was talking about the whistleblower and raising concerns. They were doing everything to avoid putting on their air what this judiciary, uh, Senate Judiciary Committee was saying live to the nation today. After they have, they have obsessed over Schiff and Nadler's hearing. Who's surprised? About 40 minutes into the hearing this morning, CNN did air a 15-second clip on something that Graham said in his opening remarks. So now, I suppose, if anybody asks, they can say, oh, yeah, we, we carried a good part of that. It was 15 seconds. Fox News aired the whole thing. Good for them. MSNBC aired almost all of it live this morning. It's interesting. I'll tell you. We live in perilous times. But Jesus said, my peace, I leave with you. Not as the world giveth, but my peace is different. It is the peace that passes all understanding. Talking about the blindness of what's going on in our world today, we'll continue this conversation tomorrow. I noticed when President Trump was running for president, and he still talks about it. He's running for president again for the 2020 election. But he made NAFTA. He ta- talked about NAFTA a lot, about it was a really bad deal and, and so on. And a lot of people feel that it is and was. They agreed with him. He said he was going to make a new deal, a better one, between the United States and Mexico and Canada. That was a centerpiece of his, of his uh, candidacy. So he's been putting this together and been trying to get it done. Nancy Pelosi wouldn't move on it. I mean, she just wouldn't move. And if the House doesn't move and the, and the Democrats control the House, you can't get anything done. And it doesn't matter, you know, how skilled some of the Republican people in the House are. They're not in the majority. And that's the problem. But Nancy Pelosi, all of a sudden, minutes after she stood in her, her two cohorts, Uh, Schiff and Nadler stood before the world on television and said, we are, what I read earlier, we are impeaching the president of the United States, blah, blah, blah. She then turned around and moved this, this agreement that Trump has put together, United States, Mexico, Canada agreements, USMCA is what what is the acronym for it. Just moments after announcing articles of impeachment against the president, she moved and approved it and said, we're going to sign off on this and let it become law, the House, because it's, in, I'm quoting her, it's infinitely better than what was initially proposed by the administration. They made a couple of little changes to it. Both things were things that were favorable to Trump. Nobody in the political world can figure out on either side of the aisle what she was thinking 
when she did that minutes after she announced their impeachment effort. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but, but the march goes on. We'll continue our conversation tomorrow. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for your support. We'll see you right here tomorrow.